Okay, we're going to pray again. Uh, Father, we thank you that uh, we can come and we can talk about glory. We can celebrate your glory um, and not our glory. And that is just the most freeing thing. So Father, we thank you for the Christmas story that never gets old um, because it is the moment where light penetrated the darkness. It is the moment where everything changed. Um, And we just thank you that we can come and seasonally and remind ourselves of so much of the truths in these realities. Um, We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I just want to take a moment before I go into this to thank you all for uh, your support, your love, your kindness, and um, this is my first Sunday up preaching. It feels like forever. It really does. It feels like, genuinely, I said to Sharon, it's like, did I used to do this stuff? Honestly. Um, And it, it, oh, yeah. But just to see how family have got behind, Christian family, extended Christian family. You know, for Sharon and I, for the first four weeks after my surgery, we didn't have to cook a meal. And that was a lot of people in this room and people outside of this room who we know who are fathers of Jesus Christ. And some people who are just really good friends who just blessed us and just came with meals, came with food, came with all of those things. This is my moment just to feel, make you feel guilty for not bringing food, but it's, 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 it's just those moments, honestly, where we were so thankful, because in those moments when you're trying to get kids ready, school runs, all of those things, Sharon's carrying all the weight, I'm in hospital, you're running up and down, it's those simple things that make a massive difference. It's just the messages, it's the prayers, it's the people who continually ask, how's it going? Because you know they're the ones that are praying. I know something I've learned is that people say often, and I've said it myself, I'll pray for you. But it's the person that comes back afterwards and goes, well, how did it go? They're the people who are praying for you. And, um, and just to have so much of that reflected in this room today and to genuinely feel part of family, I think that's incredibly special for me um, as a pastor. Because I did, um, before I went off, sort of put out the, please don't come near me. But you did, you left food in the doorstep, that was really kind. Um, and I will forever be grateful and just so thankful for your kindness. So bless you all. You're wonderful, and I mean that. So glory to God, glory. We've got the image here, and again, Tim, Tim is just flat out this weather. So um, glory to God in the highest. And, and we've got the star, we've got the image, we've got all of those things going on. Whenever I thought about the glory of God, the first thing that I thought of was my mom, because I grew up in a household where my mom had lots of sayings. Now, she just come out with these random sort of quotes and things, and as you grew up, you started to understand what some of them meant, but one of the things that she talked about often was, she would say, all glory to God. That was her thing, no, like, all glory to God. No, somebody would come into our home and say, Sally, your hair's lovely, and she'd go, all glory to God. No, she'd get new curtains and somebody would comment them. All glory to God. No, my dad would get a new car and it'd be like, well, all glory to God. No, in every sense, no, as we grew up as children and someone would compliment their children, um, no, they would say, you know, Stephen's doing a good job. She wouldn't go, he is, isn't he? She wouldn't go, oh, no, I'm so proud of him. No, no, no. No, no, no. She would say, all glory to God. I'm thinking to myself, no, no, just say, well done, Stephen. Well done, Stephen. No, Stephen, it's something to do with that. All glory to God. Now, things have changed. If you go into my mom's house now and say to her, 
your hair is looking lovely, she'll go, oh, thanks. I know, it is. If you come in now and say, nice curtains, she'll go, uh, and she'll tell you every detail of where she got them, how much she paid for them, um, a bargain they were, and all of those things, and how essential it was that she changed those curtains. You'll get all of the details. But there was a season in her world where she believed that the entire cosmic glory of God rested on her shoulders. And I, I mean it that much. She believed somehow she could steal the glory of God. Now, thankfully, she's learned a whole lot more from that. But somewhere in her world, she believed that if she stepped left the wrong way, stood forward the wrong way, said the wrong thing, moved the wrong place, if she just didn't quite say thank you the right way or, or, or give glory to God in every situation, somehow God would not be glorified. You do know, uh, I'm just getting this out here, you do know that no matter what you do, no, no matter where you are, that God's pretty much glorified. It's, it's not dependent on how you get on today. It's not dependent on how you live your life. No, you can't add to his glory. He is glorified. He is glory itself. He is all of those things. It just so happens when we see him, we want to glorify him. But that's different. We're going to read this story. It's familiar. It's the, the one in Luke. Because when you think glory, you think of the scripture that goes like this. Glory. Come on now, let's try this again here, okay? So uh, genuinely, I haven't preached in 20 years. That's how I feel right now. So, so I need all the support that I can get, okay? So glory to God. I uh, see it's all get complicated there because it depends what version you read. Uh, okay, so I, I'm going to go here. Uh, I, I'm going to read through a bit of the context. So Luke chapter 2 from verses 8 through to 21. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. You know, you can't read this without saying they're here in Christmas carols. Um, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, terrified. It's, it's an awful thing to think that to come into the presence of God would bring so much fear. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. A transformational moment, not going to get into there, but this is not a change of emotion. This is a change of covenant. Right here is happening now. That's for you to go and pick apart and think about in your time. Everything's changing. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Okay, so in this space this morning, need you to help me. This is good news. Anybody get excited about good news? Okay, when you, somebody gives you a tenner, you think, good news. No, when somebody sends you a bill that's a whole lot less than you hoped it would be, it's good news. When, when you get your exam results and your dad's not going to kill you, it's good news. And you go through good news. It's good to have good news that will cause great joy for all people. It's interesting that God thinks about all people in this moment. It's not just about your personal good news. It's not just about how good it's getting for you. It's about how good it gets for everyone. And that's our God. How good it gets for everyone, every person, everyone, every, every person from every background, every educational standard, every person who thinks they are something or thinks they are not, every person who lives in the shadows and every person who lives on a platform, every person, joy. Now, this, this is good. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now hold that. This will be a sign to you. We're going to come back to this. This will be a sign to you. It's a weird sign. A, a baby in a, in a manger, wrapped. It's a strange sign. Now if I saw a baby somewhere, we'd be thinking it's a sign from God. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly... A great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, at the birth of a child, people would have gathered in the cities and in the towns. They would have came together. You've just given birth. You've had no gas and air. You've had no injections. You've had no painkillers. You've just given birth. And the next thing, all your neighbors turn up like Carl Singer standing outside your door and singing, no, yay, happy birthday to you. Do you know, you just want to throw things at them. But that's what would have happened in this scenario, but not for Jesus. Glory to God in the highest, a heavenly host, a heavenly company appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those in whom his favor rests. It's not peace to those on everyone. See, it's joy to everyone. The joy is offered to everyone, but it's only those who understand his favor get this peace. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds, they were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in their heart, in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And then we have the naming ceremony, the eighth day, Jewish custom, child is circumcised, he's given his name, his name is Jesus, the name given to him before He was conceived. Glory to God in the highest. Uh, There's something about those words whenever I even say them. I want to get higher. I want want to be where the highest things are. And I want to be part of that story and part of that celebration. I want to sing. Whenever I read through this story, the first thing I see is that God came into a family. God became part of a family. You see this family. You see these values. You see the people who are, who are left in the darkness and left in the shadows are valued by God. You see this incredible moment of just a family honored by God. John Piper describes this moment as God going public. God coming out, God coming out of the the invisibility into the visible. And that's how we describe the glory of God. When the invisible qualities of God are made visible. That's how you understand the glory of God. You know, the... No, God, show your glory. Let your glory come. Glory, glory, glory. It's where God makes himself known. You see, if you're living your life dependent on something that you can measure, or something that you can hold, or feel, or touch you will never understand what it is to understand this peace that God offers. We have this moment when the invisible is becoming visible. As a kid, I used to like, love superheroes. I've, I've mentioned this. still do love superheroes, but it just talks. It sounds a bit weirder when you talk about it in present tense. Um, 
But I would have loved the thought. No, Spider-Man for me was the one. No, like the thought of just going, whoosh, was great. Um, but the invisibility thing, the thought of being the invisible man, you know, the, the thought of being invisible. Uh, and I, I used to think how funny it would be. You know, you could like annoy people so much. You know, you could like scratch their nose and just stand there and just watch them go, and then just keep doing it. So you, can, like, you, you can do that one for like three or four days, couldn't you? On the same person. You just tap them on the back and watch them turn around and go. And there's like nobody there. <laughs> like how much fun. And then as a kid, I used to think to myself, I get like raw banks. <gasps> do you know? Because I was such a good kid. Um, I used to think like I could steal everything. I could just walk in the toys, like, like Smiths. I, I could walk in the Smiths and lift anything I wanted off the shelves. No, everybody would just see this floating stack of toys walking down the aisle and would freak them out so much that all just run out of the building. No, I used to think so how amazing it would be to be invisible. There were certain moments in my childhood where I remember thinking to myself, I really would like to be invisible. I would love to be unseen. I would love to be able to hide so much that nobody would know I was there. But what I've realized is that to be invisible is not a blessing. Because when you're not seen, you're forgotten. When you're not seen, people forget who you were. When you're not seen, people look at you through a distorted image. They start to look at you in ways and think, Stephen, yeah, that was the guy with the long hair, wasn't it? Uh, no, Stephen, that was the skinny guy, wasn't he? Six pack, tight, no wore those sort of muscle vests. No, they, they start to distort the image of how they see you. And you see, to understand this story and what's understanding here is what we got to see is that that's the same as what happens to God. You see, when God is invisible, people distort his image. People forget who he is. People forget what he's about. People forget his character, what he stands for, who, who, who this, this God really is that has invaded and introduced himself to this world. Throughout the Old Testament, we have these moments where Isaiah, well, he saw the Lord high and lifted up and he's like, oh no, I'm out of here. I am terrified. We'll have this moment where Moses is like, God, I just want to see your glory. And God's like, take this. I'm going to try and make this as clear as I can for you, Moses. If you saw me, you'll just die. Uh, okay, that's the way it's going to happen. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide you in a rock and I'm going to pass by. And, and, and it says about you see his back. And we think, no, it's like his shoulders. And somebody tries to imagine what God looks like. No, did he have a V? No, was he broad? Was he strong? Was he, do you know? And, and, and it's not really what's being said there. What it's saying is that it's the after effects of when his glory passes by. You're, you're just going to see what that does to the earth. You're going to see what that does to the situation. You're going to see how my glory just passing by, the difference it makes to everything. And so we have these moments. We have the moments where the prophets pop up and go, remember your God. No, remember who he is, remember what he's done, remember to love him, remember uh, his character, his attributes, and they would go through all of these things. And somewhere in there, being invisible meant he was forgotten. He was misrepresented, he was misunderstood. The identity that he was given by people on earth and humanity was so distorted that they actually knew God was to fear him. So the first thing I want to talk about this morning is the glory 
story, and I know it's so cheesy, but it, it just, I couldn't think of anything else. The glory narrative. Let's go for the glory narrative. The glory story. And what I want to say to you is this, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. And the reality is of this story is that you will never get peace until you understand your purpose. You will never truly get the peace that you desire until you truly understand the purpose for which you were made. This is the story of the glory of God. So the glory story goes like this, that God had a plan to reveal his glory. Remember, God's glory is where the invisible characteristics of God, qualities of God, attributes of God are made visible, where you get to see him. So whenever Isaiah cried and said, holy, heard the, heard the cry, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, they discovered God is holy. Holy, you're holy, you're holy, holy. And then what did they declare? And his glory shall cover the earth. You see, when you understand the, the attributes of God, you understand his glory. It's where he is made known. So I want you to look at this in three parts. You know, a good story, a good movie, all of those things comes like in three acts. The first thing is that you're set up. This is the storyline. And God set up us in this way for his glory. He set up that we, you and I, would reveal the image of the Father to this earth. And we read in Genesis 1.27 that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. He made them male and female, he created them. In Isaiah 43, verse 7, we read, who I created for my glory. See, the plan was this. God set us up that you and I would live in such a way and we, we would step out there in such a way that people would see God. No, just by how we acted, how we lived, how we, how we got on with each other, how we built community, how we did family, how, how, how I was prepared to, to step back in order that you could step forward, how that I was prepared to sacrifice so that you could get lifted high. There was to be something about the attribute of God and how we lived. That was the setup. Also, creation we know that was set up this is just not working. Okay, creation was set up. In Psalm 19, verse 1, we read, The heavens declare your glory, O God. The skies proclaim the work of your hand. Now, I, I don't know about you, but one of the first things that I realized when I became a follower of Jesus Christ, that nature changed. Uh, genuinely, I, I used to love going up like more mountains, going for a walk, all of those things. Uh, no, I was out at night loads. Uh, I spent lots of times out the whole night, but I never noticed the stars. But when I became a follower of Jesus Christ, when I looked up at the sky, I saw the stars and thought, whoa, God. No, I stood on the top of a mountain and looked out and went, whoa, God. When I saw those uh, pictures of astronauts landing on the moon and when I saw the space shuttle flying around and, and inhabit the, the stars in the solar system and these pictures that were being back, I went, oh God. And you see, God had set up creation to declare his glory. The other thing that was set up to declare his glory was his word. His word would represent his glory. So the way we understand it in the, in the Old Testament is the law. So it would be, take for example, the commandments. No, you shall not commit adultery. 
So if you didn't commit adultery, what you were doing was showing God's faithfulness. You were revealing his character. His invisibility was being made known in your image. You see, you see what's going on? And so you should not murder. Okay, so what we realize there is that God is just. You just don't kill. We realize the value that God has on his creation and humanity. We, we understand all of these things because the word of God was there to reveal his glory. Okay, so that's how the setup happens. But then what we know is that there's always a plot to these stories. What happens is that it all just crumbles. It all just falls apart. And, and we read that, well, humanity was set up to reveal the image of God, therefore the glory of God. <laughs> and what we realize in Romans 3.23, that all of us have fallen short of God's image or God's glory. That's what we read. In creation, in Romans 1.23, what we read is that where we were supposed to look at creation, uh, and we were supposed to look at the stars, we were supposed to look at the solar system, we were supposed to look at a, a flower or, or a bug or a bird, or we were supposed to look at those things, and it was to drive us to the creator. We were to go, whoa, who painted that ladybird? It was God. How cool is red and black together? No, it's like, even the colors match. It was, me it was meant to be that we were supposed to look at these things and go, look at those wee legs. God made everything we would hold hold a baby in our arms and go, isn't this the most incredible thing ever? You know, and, and in it, we were to be driven to the creator and driven to God because in that, we were to see him. But what has happened, and Paul wrote to the church at Rome and said, that instead of looking to the creator through creation, we stopped at creation. And we thought that there was something that could be made Something we could hold in our hands. Something that we could just look at and touch and feel and talk to. That could ultimately reveal the glory of God. Now, we link this then through to peace. See, the glory of God and our peace. You see, if we are going to have peace, then we have to be sure that we aren't looking for the glory of God in the wrong places. When we come to this story, we have glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Why are the heavens going crazy? Why, why, why are the angels just so excited? Why as far and high as you can imagine and as low as possibly you can get? Why, why is everybody going so crazy? It's because... The invisible is becoming visible. The glory of God is coming to earth. The God who made man in his image is becoming and taking on the image of man. You just think about that for a moment. The God who made man in his image is taking on the image of man. The creator is allowing himself to be created inside a womb, being knit together, being formed, being birthed. The creator allowed himself to be created and the word of God was becoming flesh. You see, in this moment, all of the things that we were intended to live by, we were intended to live out, we were intended to show and reflect the glory of God. In this moment, in a manger, a little baby in a crib, in this moment, the whole of the glory of God, the invisible characteristics of God, the invisible, incomprehensible, immeasurable beauty and awesomeness of God was being birthed. 
And the angels are like, Wow, come on! Get it? We read this story and we realize that Jesus is the glory of God. Hebrews 1 verse 3, we read this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. In Hebrews 1 One to three, the Passion Translation reads like this. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave then was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another, one invisibility upon another invisibility, showing a little bit of God. But to us living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son. The appointed heir of everything. For through him God created the panorama of all things of all time. The sun is the dazzling radiance, the glory of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's true nature. His mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins. And then took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. See, to understand the glory of God is to see Jesus. It's not how you live this morning. It's not like, you know, I'm trying my best to live my life to God's glory. I'm trying to, no, no, it's Jesus. It's to see Jesus. It's to see God's glory. And when you see Jesus, then you're motivated to live a life that glorifies him. You see, this morning I talked about the glory story and it's so important to understand the glory story that it ends in and starts with Jesus Christ. The second story and the last story is the, the sheep story. And um, I only have one sheep story and it goes a bit like this and it may make you boke, I'm just letting you know. I'm preparing you. No, I'm a city boy. Um, I did see cows and chickens before I was like five. No, I'm not that city boy. Um, but I remember we took a group of young guys to a farm, an open farm, and, uh, and nothing prepared me for what I was going to see. No, I, you expect the normal. No, you, you see the chickens, you see a cow, you see sheep. And because you're from the city, this is fascinating. No, those country guys must just look at you and go, like, it's a sheep. Do you know, you're prepared to pay 15 quid to come in and see this. Like, you can buy one for 15 quid, take it home. No, it, like, it's bonkers. And, and so you walk around these farms and you, you do all these things. And then the farmer said, oh, we've got a wee surprise for you if you want to, if you want to see this. And we we're like, aye, always up for surprise. And so he says, one of the sheep is about to give birth to a lamb. And we we're like, oh, there's everybody is thinking, don't think so, I'm on the bus back to the city. But there's... But there's the rest of you in the crowd thinking, oh, yeah, I'm up for that. Like, no, yeah, yeah, no, you can't be seen to be weak around your mates. And, and so you go in and there is this sheep. And I will never forget the image. And well, there was this other guy there, you call him David Wright. And well, he was older than me, which meant it's up to him. No, that's how it works. And when it comes to those moments, just choose the oldest person in the room and go, over to you. You're the most responsible, over to you. So he gets down to help give birth to the sheep. Okay, so we're watching this thinking, what is happening? No, and all of a sudden this, I can only describe it as like a see-through bag filled with the most disgusting things you've ever seen in your life and a lamb. 
Okay, that's, that's, you know, don't let that sit there for a while. That's what was going on. And so this bubble, not like pretty bubbles that you flick and go pop, but just a, a bubble containing, okay, and a lamb blew out. Okay, let's go for blew out, slipped out, do all those things. So this lamb appears, but as the lamb appears, the bag burst and propelled the most disgusting fluid one has ever seen into the mouth of David Wright. <laughs> so I'm just, for the, for the illustrative purposes, I'm just going to call it boat juice because we all went, as he's like, okay. And I know somebody's in the room are thinking, well, Stephen, this has got to be something to do with the Bible. You've got to bring this back. What I want to say to you is, is this, that sheep are stinking. Okay, they are revolting, file. They are not nice animals. But in the middle of this story, we have shepherds. And what I want to say to you is this, that these were no normal shepherds. And what do I mean by that? The likelihood is that because of the location of these shepherds about five miles outside of Bethlehem, that these shepherds would have been responsible for supplying the sacrificial lambs to Jerusalem, to the temple, to be sacrificed in the morning and in the evening. Okay, so they would have been lambing experts, boat juice, okay? I'm using this term, you gotta get it. I'm gonna bring it around. Okay, so these guys are out there in the fields lambing, no, getting these things out of these sheep night and day. They are taking these sheep. Now, what we imagine and what we read about in, in biblical times would have happened is that these guys would have taken the sheep. They would have taken the sheep and they would have placed it likely in something like a trough or a manger. They would have washed down the lamb they would have inspected the lamb because it was going to be a sacrificial lamb. It had to be a spotless lamb. And they would have looked at the lamb, inspected the lamb. And if the lamb was perfect, they would have wrapped the lamb in swaddling clothes to keep it safe and keep it secure so it could be brought to sacrifice. And this is the image. You see, when we read this in Luke 2.12, this baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes, it's going to be a sign to you guys. Because what we've got to understand is these are the shepherds. They couldn't even go to worship because they were covered in bulk juice most of the time. And I'm being honest, they were stinking, they were vile. They couldn't go into the temple because they couldn't keep up to all the ritual cleansing. You know, every time they give birth to a lamb, they have to go and burn themselves. It's, it's not going to happen. These are the guys who are used to this form of religion. Chuck a lamb in through one day, throw another one in at the night, burn it. No, is this what it is? Is this what God's about? No, when I get them there, what you have is some poor farmer brings his sheep. It's all good. It's wee lambs, brilliant. But the, the priest then goes, sorry, your lamb's not good enough. You're going to have to buy one of ours. No, these guys in the field have seen way more of the corruption. They've seen the, no, the secondhand religion. They've seen the, the stuff that just makes people go, if that's God, I've heard about this Messiah. I've heard about this lamb of God who's going to come. I've heard about this sacrificial lamb, but like serious? If I give birth to another lamb and wrap it up in cloth and stick it over to these guys over in the temple, 
oh, you can imagine. Oh, it's good enough to supply the lamb, but we can't even go into the temple. And then in this moment, we have these shepherds encountering God, the lowest of the low. It's really important to see this. The people in the fields, the people who are forgotten, the people who are good enough to do the stuff for everybody else, the people who are covered in boat juice, the people who are just filthy, the people who just... And then what we're told is that when they hear this news, they just run, hurry, to see Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Now, there's no showers taking place. <laughs> no, they're not shaving, they're not putting on their Sunday best, they're not getting all dressed up to, to go and meet the King of Kings. No, well, if it's good enough to wear a suit to go and see the Queen, it's good enough to wear a suit to church. No, 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 these guys are just like lit. Because something in the air says this is different. And these shepherds run and they get to this place. And as I come to conclude, and we're going to pick up on these things over the next few weeks, what you've got to see is that God's glory changes people. God's glory changes places and God's glory changes priorities. That's, that's what you see when you, re- when you read through these, this story. But let's think of the shepherds. So you've got these shepherds. The, the whole Christmas story is just one of those stories you go, it's so messed up for the culture of the day. You know, you have a woman for a start that they keep putting like Mary and Joseph instead of Joseph and Mary. It's like, no, you don't do that stuff. You put the man's name first. Well, not in this book. You've got this teenage girl who's just talking to angels while the shepherds are like on their faces afraid to move. It's just, it lifts people out of society and culture that everyone else would put down. And then you have these shepherds who receive a word from God like nobody else. Let's, let's get this. Now we're Pentecostals. We've all got a word from God now and again. Some of them, questionable. No, I've had a few in my time. I've had people meet me at the back door and say things like, I really just feel like God's saying, Stephen, that you shouldn't, whatever. And it's not a good word from God. It's just they don't like what I'm doing. And, and, and you know, words from God. God appeared in the heavens, surrounded by a heavenly host and spoke to them. Now that's a word from God. So shepherds, no, no, it's shepherds. It's not the kings, it's not the princes, it's not the the wise men, it's the shepherds. And why does God change people? Because these shepherds go, and what we read is, and you can miss it so easily, is they stand in the room filled with Mary and Joseph and others, it seems to imply, and they prophesy who Jesus is. From shepherds in a field, to prophets in the presence of the glory of God. No wonder they'll go home singing. Because the glory of God in the presence of changes, Jesus changes everything. These guys get in there and start saying, Mary, we've just heard from God. This is like this is the Messiah. Mary, this is like this is the Son of God. 
Mary, he's come to save his people from their sins. Mary, like, we, have, we, we got this straight from, the, straight from the source. No, this isn't secondhand information. This isn't something I've made up. We didn't have all a, like a collective dream or a hallucination. We saw God and God said, you gotta go and see my son in the manger because he's come, he's Jesus, he's the Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the anointed one, he's the Lamb of God, he's gonna take away the sin of the world, come on, he's gonna be God with you, he's gonna be all of these things. Now go and see him. And they're like, you can imagine him in the room, just going, this is who he is. I imagine they walked in really apprehensive, no, like, no, you go first, no, you go first, no. You sort of slip it in there, like, all right, you say something, you say something. But see, by the time they got started, and they started to talk about who this was in the manger, who this was in the manger who was spotless, who this was in the manger who was wrapped in swaddling clothes, who this was in the manger who was going to be the sacrifice of God. And what we're told is when they see him, it's like, no, they go back to the fields, but all of a sudden their priorities change. And they go back to the fields and they're singing and they're like, yeah, come on, glory to God. Yeah, glory to God in the house. We're, going, we're just going to sing what we've heard. We're going to sing what we've heard. Uh, and we're just going to go. We're going to sing and we're going to give God glory and we're going to praise God because there's something about when you see the face of Jesus that you want to give glory to God. People, priorities and places. Two and a half million people visited the site where they suspect may have been possibly, hmm, who really knows, the manger where Jesus was born. Two and a half million people last year visited that place. Because when the glory of God turns up, people are never the same. Places are never the same. Priorities are never the same. And we have to go away declaring the glory of God. Can we stand together? I'm going to ask the guys to come. The new song, we'd love to sing the new song. The new song, because it just fits so good. Okay, so as, as we come to sing, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, God's glory is displayed in the face of Christ. That's good, isn't it? Okay, so we've got to read our Bible because that's what excites us because the word of God reveals his glory. So, yeah. So God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Okay, a quote. I want you to close your eyes. Helen Keller, who was famously blind, said what a blind person needs is not a teacher, but another self. And what she means is that she needs, you need someone who will walk alongside you and bring the potential that is within you out through their actions and devotion. Why is it important to close our eyes? Because this is the Christmas story. 
that things really are this dark. They really are. But there is hope. As Tim Keller writes, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. <laughs> it makes you want to cry, Glory. A light has dawned in your darkness. Every day I woke up in darkness and then one day I saw the face of Jesus and now I live in light. Glory to God. When darkness comes, nothing will extinguish Jesus. Glory to God. When I feel like I can't go on, there is one who walks beside me, God with me. Glory to God. When, when I look in the face of others and I see what Jesus is making them into, I cry glory to God when I, when I read the story that God himself, the invisible, immeasurable God. We've become visible. Glory to God. Glory to God. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ here today, you are a shepherd who has seen the face of Jesus. And our immediate response should be to go, Jesus, you are all that. Oh, come on, like, Jesus, you are the Messiah. Jesus, you are the healer. Jesus, you are like the promised one. Come on, Jesus, you've saved me from my sin. Jesus, when you see all, all of those things, you just, you know. and then when you start to declare who Jesus is, there's just something in us. You'd just like, I, I would love now not to have a dodgy hip, but to be able to jump and dance and shout and sing. And do you know, I, there's something in us should just change, transform in the presence of Jesus that we go out of every place, every situation, just shouting, declaring glory to God and how we live and how we act and everything we do and everything we say, glory to God. We're gonna take back the image of the Father in our lives, glory to God. We're gonna take back the power of the word of God, glory to God. We're gonna take back creation and declare it for the glory of God, glory to God. Glory to God. I wasn't planning on saying this, but I... Recently, I found myself lying on a bed in, in hospital. I'm being told I had a clot in my lung and I was really afraid. I was afraid to close my eyes in case I never opened them. <laughs> I'd been sent a video of a man in the church, Tariq. And he, in that video, had declared he was praying for me. And together with his family, he said, in the name of Jesus. 
face. I know there are people in this room experiencing darkness and we try to put on the face. There are people in here hurting. But there's something about Jesus gets us through the darkness and brings us into his glorious light. In the name of Jesus. Or to see him. We want to be where you are, Jesus. We want to be close to you, Jesus. We love your name. We love your beauty. We love who you are. You are God. There is no one like you. There is no one beside you. There is no one comes close to you. You are that light that breaks through darkness of history, the darkness of the present and brings a light of hope for our future. Jesus. Jesus. Now as we come to sing, sing through the image of his glory. Declare All honor, all praise, all glory. Uh, is there anybody else in the room? All honor, come on. All glory, all praise belongs to you, God. All, all honor, all glory, all praise belongs to you. The more we see him, all honor, all glory, all praise belongs to you, Jesus because to see him is to see the glory of God.